I started to desire him more than the drugs and more than this thing that was haunting my life, um, he broke through, you know, and, and I had a powerful encounter with, with the Lord Jesus. It, it felt as if he was touching me. And welcome to the Run the Race podcast, where we talk about fitness and faith on a weekly basis. I'm your host, Jason Dennis, hoping to inspire you to run the race of life as we sit down with fascinating guests, digging deeper into the mind, body, and soul. Let's do this. Let him kiss me with his kindness, for his love is better than wine. Pleasing is the fragrance of your love Broke it open and poured it on my life And uh, you just listened to a little bit of an original song by Brandon McKenzie, who is our guest for this 80th episode of the Run the Race podcast. I feel a little bit like a DJ saying uh, you just heard that uh, great song, uh, that song Alabaster Jar, and uh, it is going to be our, our Stuck in My Head segment. I'm going to let you listen to really most of the rest of the song uh, later in this podcast, and you'll obviously hear from Brandon. He has some uh, amazing stories. He is the um, House of Prayer coordinator for the Take the City Ministry here in Columbus, Georgia, but has some really, uh, uh, you know, a, a stirring redemption story about how he was really, uh, you know, deep in, in a world of drugs and marijuana and cocaine and uh, had, you know, uh, his, his girlfriend had a miscarriage. He went off to the army and had really just this huge pivotal moment with Jesus that changed his life that you'll definitely want to hear about. Maybe you know somebody who's dealing with addiction or or some kind of issue, uh, feeling a void in their life. And, and speaking of voids, you know, we uh, in the next few days are uh, honoring uh, so many who lost their lives and gave their lives in, in war uh, after September 11th. It's been 20 years since those attacks, those terrorist attacks on America, uh, in New York City, the, the World Trade Center, and the Pentagon, and, and so many other places. But it really changed America, something we never want to forget. And, uh, you know, I remember I was a, a reporter, a young reporter in my uh, uh, kind of mid-20s at that time for uh, this station that I'm at now still, WTVM. And, you know, in, in that role, you know, you're so busy uh, trying to report on the news. You're, you're watching it just like all of you did. And I needed a way to express my emotions. So I ended up writing a poem the day after September 11th, that um, it was called God Help Us. And uh, my news director at the time, Mark McGee, who was actually a previous guest of this podcast uh, months ago, um, he uh, voiced uh, that poem that we put on TV with some of the images from September 11th. So here's a little bit of that poem. Again, I wrote uh, just in the wake of the, uh, just, uh, just the tragedy of September 11th. God Help Us. Television sets beam horrible images, more than ever feared possible, shrieking, running, looking for escape. Bodies lie motionless in the carnage. God help us. First, we can't and won't believe. Next, grief covers like a suffocating blanket. Confusion, shaking, wanting to help. Superpower is down to its knees, Wondering what's next. God help the U.S. Rescue never ending from 911's attack. Call came in and action. 
immediate from firefighters, police, EMTs, risking futures. Mission collapses, but more came, disappearing in dust. God help them. War sets upon us, and we prepare to fight the beasts who took freedom, screaming, pounding, wanting real revenge. Americans say bomb, destroy. When leaders need prayer, God help the U.S. Little girl, watch the attacks, and mom hears, people are hurting. Now we try to breathe, no, go on slowly, sensing pride wrapped in flags, knowing never before, never again, God save us. And we're definitely continuing to pray for our nation uh, as we, you know, uh, descend upon this 20th anniversary of the September 11th attacks. Hard, hard to believe it's been that long. Um, but, uh, you know, it's just it's just astounding what happened on that day. We never need to forget it. Uh, we need to defend our country against something like that ever happening again and, uh, and, and stay united, not divided as a nation, for sure. Now on to our guest for this week, um, who is uh, definitely working on uniting us. He is the uh, House of Prayer coordinator for a uh, nonprofit ministry called Take the City, it's based in Columbus, Georgia. His name is Brandon McKenzie. Uh, he came on board here about uh, 18 months ago uh, from Florida, where him and his wife are working for a faith-based recovery program called Teen Challenge, which has a, a very high success rate with getting people uh, off drug addiction and, and staying that way. And, um, you know, COVID-19 happened, and God pretty much moved their family, you know, sovereignly uh, up here to the uh, Georgia area. Um, but, uh, you know, he talks uh, in, in our discussion about the, the Harvest House of Prayer, and we, we focus a lot on prayer, what, what it really is and the intimidating factors behind it and uh, what it really means to, to pray and, and how to do that better because there's not a, you know, a, a right or wrong way to do it. It's just a matter of, you know, like Nike, Nike slogan, just do it. And uh, Brandon also talks about how um, he himself was a junkie for many years and, and caught up in drug addiction and had a life-changing experience with the Lord. And we talk about this event that's coming up, uh, just actually a season of prayer that just started a few days ago and goes until September 16th, so 10 days in our area. But it's a part of this event that's happening across the nation called Tent America. It's, uh, you know, 50 consecutive hours of worship, prayer, and gospel proclamation. So it's going to be nonstop, you know, an opportunity to really uh, get in tune with the Lord and worship Him. And uh, because we as a nation... Uh, and, you know, all of us need prayer. We, we need to, to look to God and have that relationship, uh, not, not religion, but relationship. So here's my conversation with Brandon. Uh, what a story he has to tell. Well, our guest for today for the podcast is Brandon McKenzie, the Harvest House of Prayer Coordinator for a local ministry here in uh, Georgia, uh, Take the City. Thanks so much for being here. Absolutely. It's a pleasure. Yeah, Thanks so for having me. This is your uh, your first podcast, it's my right? my very first podcast. All right. So it's a big deal. <laughs> I know you listen a lot. We're going to talk about you know your story, your journey um, out of addiction 
and uh, to Jesus and um, kind of how what you know how you how bad it got for you and uh, how far you've come since then and you have a family now and, and a great job uh, doing ministry and uh, we're going to talk about a, a really awesome event that's coming up in just a few days uh, after this podcast comes out Tent America which will happen in Columbus Georgia but it's happening really all over the nation right that's right that's yeah. right so but first I want to talk you know since part of your title you know House of Prayer Coordinator you know we were talking off mic about how you know prayer sometimes I mean you know it's, it's you know it's a great thing to do people say oh yeah I'm gonna pray for you or I'm gonna do this or that um, but it also can be intimidating and scary because whether you're a Christian or not you're like okay do I need to pray a certain way or close my eyes or is what if I don't say the right things to God so and just in simply put you know tell me what you think prayer is and is there are there rules to it yeah, you know, that's a great <laughs> question. And I think um, a lot of believers, if we're being honest, feel that way uh, towards prayer. I know I myself, uh, as a new believer, uh, didn't have much of a grid for prayer. I knew that I was supposed to do it. I knew <laughs> that my mom did it. You know, my parents did it. Um, but when I first came to Jesus, I really had no idea how, quote unquote, to pray. Um, but the only thing I knew is that I just kind of, I wanted to be with them, you know, as as someone that I recently met. I mean, it was like I met this person. And so I had this newfound hunger in me, you know, to just spend time with Jesus. And so that's what I would tell people. I would just say, if you're like, man, how do I do prayer? Just look at it like I want to know Jesus more. Um, And to tell you the truth, nobody knows how to do it. Nobody knows, (laughs) quote unquote, how to pray. Like, but Jesus gives us some guideposts. And so I just think, um, consecrate, you know, get a schedule down, I think is really important. Like if you want to do anything, you get a schedule down, right? Like if, if you really committed, like, let's say I want to start running, like I know you're a runner. Um, you most likely you're going to start charting out a course. You're going to yeah. say, even if you don't, you're not much of a runner, you know, you're going to say, well, you know, this day I'm going to do it. I'm going to give it a shot. And you just kind of grow in it, you know, as you set apart five minutes, 10 minutes every day. And, uh, whether it be reading the Bible um, just kind of um, trying to hear the Holy Spirit's voice, um, listening to worship music, you know, however you can kind of build that connection. Um, so I would just say that, you know, it's really about getting closer to a person. And I know that, you know, we've launched in the last few years the House of Prayer, which yeah. is part of Take the City and next to the Harvest Coffee Shop. So you can come get some coffee yeah. and pray. And I know you guys have certain times that you're open where people can come in and listen to worship. Like you said, get in kind of that uh, atmosphere, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, every day our goal is to have morning, noon, and night uh, live worship and prayer. And the reason why we do uh, worship music in particular is because if you look at the Bible gives us these glimpses into heaven, right? And there's always songs uh, overflowing out of people uh, in, in the courts of heaven. The angels constantly sing, holy, 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 worthy, worthy. There's something about music uh, that just kind of moves our hearts. Um, and, you know, I always say it like this, where there's love, there's always love songs. So it, it doesn't matter. Like, um, there's always going to be music with that overflow of joy. And he's just so good. Um, we just believe in And there's something so powerful about uh, ministering to the Lord musically. Um, but also just to get believers from all different denominations. Music is a great way to kind of bring that unity, you know, because not everybody agrees on tongues, uh, you know, these different theological things. But most people, you know... Christian music is a great way to, to sort of connect people, 
You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, praise and worship. You can't you can't really go wrong with that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, and you know, I, I'm you know remember you know growing up in, in in the church, Methodist, Baptist, Presbyterian. You know, one thing that you know I remember. Um, you know, and, and I actually learned it, um, really memorized it through a basketball team, the Lord's Prayer, you know, uh, you know, and <laughs> yes. so that's something that maybe kind of is a way to kind of, hey, if you want to get started, you know, um, you know, that's, that's a, it's a kind of a, it's yeah. a, a simple kind of truth. Yes. Um, and so, you know. But for some folks, maybe they're new Christians, or maybe you know they grew up and kind of had to go to church, and now they're older. Um, do you think it's do, do people think it's weird? Like you're talking to like, and quote some people that are maybe don't believe call it an imaginary friend because Jesus is here with us, yeah. but we don't see him. So literally, when you're praying, you're talking to nobody. Like you're not talking to a human being that's yeah. right in front of you. So it may seem weird. People like where you're talking to yourself, you're you're just a crazy person. So. Uh, what would you say to folks who say, you know, well, um, is that, you know, does that seem foreign or is that just kind of now part of being a Christian, you know? Yeah. And, you know, just to answer that question really simply, uh, God gave us this thing called the Bible, right? (laughs) So the Bible, like, I just can't say it enough. It's so important, like for us as believers to get to know God, um, but not just to read it, but like I say, get, use it to get to know a person, you know, Jesus is, is a real person. I think that's one of the things that totally changed for me um, that actually brought me out of that addiction was when my mom would tell me these stories growing up. You know, I grew up in a Christian household, um, but never experienced like the real person of Jesus. And we can't see him with our eyes, right? Like we can't hear him audibly. But when the Holy Spirit is a real person, and the Bible says that when Jesus ascended, the Holy Spirit came. Uh, Jesus asked the Father, the Father sent the Holy Spirit. And so it's through faith. And so the Bible, we have this kind of thing where faith um, leads us to the Bible and the Bible grows our faith. And, you know, you can't really explain these things. All I know is uh, ever since I really started to build out a prayer life with the Lord, getting to know the Lord, my life, like years down the road, you can see progress, you know, just change fruit. You know, Jesus says you'll know them by their fruit, you know, and I think fruit comes through through prayer and through, um, but getting, getting to know a person. Um, but you know, it's, it's very different. It's a total learning curve. You know, it's kind of like learning a new language, you know, um, but it is doable and the Lord calls us to it. And so I just think it begins with that heart that says, you know, I don't know how to do this, but I want to, I want to do it. You know, I want to get to know Jesus. Yeah. And, and, and you know, getting in the word, uh, you know, getting with other Christians, going to church yep. and, and having a praise and worship, that kind of thing. And it's it's not necessarily a requirement to go to church, but just being a part of that fellowship. Yes. Um, so, you know, it, people kind of uh, dis religion. But it's not really about religion, is it? It's about relationship. Yeah. It's, it's the other R, right? That's right. So in, in, when you're having that conversation, I mean, God knows all. He knows what you're thinking. He knows what you're doing. He knows what you're going to do. But um, having that conversation means that, hey, listen, it's not just a one-way street, right? You're you're talking to Jesus, talking to God. Yeah. Yeah. And I would even go so far as to say um, most of the power in prayer comes from, from hearing God. Yeah. And so, and that's another thing is when I, when I was growing up, prayer was all about, you know, I'd pray for this family member over here. I just kind of go down the list and pray for people. Um, at, at the dinner table. Or at whatever. the dinner table, uh, before bedtime, um, you know, but man, prayer is so much deeper. Once I learned to hear the voice uh, of the Lord and understand just um that he loves us number one i think i think that's a huge motivating factor knowing that he loves you 
um, not based on what I've done. Like he just loves me and he wants to spend time with me, right? Like I'm not the only one who wants to spend time uh, with Jesus. Jesus actually wants to spend time with me way more than I could ever want to spend spend time with him. And um, so that and you would think he's too busy for that, but but he's not. I mean, he cares about every he cares about every hair on your head. That's right. He knows every thought you're thinking. He knows you more than you know yourself. You know, so what better way to live my life than in prayer, like getting to know this person who knows my future, he knows my past. He can see the Bible says that he he's he's over like he can see everything. He knows everything about my life. He can see um, just different uh, obstacles that I'm going to face even way before I can. So getting to spend time with this person and getting to know him and and, uh, praying, um, it sort of alleviates a lot of stress that I have to carry. Like if I can just pray. I've discovered I don't I don't have to stress nearly as much, you know, if yeah. I can just learn to trust him. Yeah. He's got it all figured out. He's the wonderful counselor. I mean, that's the, it's, the wonderful counselor. It's, it's a counseling session every day, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, and, and Brandon, you were talking earlier about, you know, your your story of addiction and, you know, speaking of, you know, kind of God getting to know you or you getting to know God. Um, you, you said you grew up in a Christian home. Um, and so what, what happened? What, uh, what was the, yeah. you know, what, um, what made you go down the wrong path and what did that look like for you? Yeah. You know, a lot of people, um, have a reason like kind of what led them down that road of addiction. A lot of the times it was childhood trauma, stuff like that. And, you know, I really don't have any of that. Like my parents were great parents. Like I honor, I honor them even to this day. My parents, the only reason that I know God today is because of my parents uh, reading the Bible to me, showing me the way, you know, to walk. Um, But for me personally, I, we grew up in a, in a pretty traditional um, denomination, the Southern Baptist denomination. And I still love like Baptist churches. I I love listening to sermons from a Baptist preacher. If you ever want to hear good preaching, you know, find a Baptist preacher. Um, But, you know, I just never knew about this person called the Holy Spirit, Mm. you know, this third person of the Godhead. I knew about the Bible and I knew about Jesus and I knew I believed Jesus was a real person. Um, But there was something in my teenage years, I began to notice a void in my life, Um, even though I never faced trauma or anything. Just an emptiness, like a meaningless. I, as a, I was an intellectual kid, you know, like I was always wondering, why am I here? I'm a pretty deep thinker. Finding nothing, like just feeling this, like nothing. This is pointless. I don't even know why I'm here. And, and, and that led me down a road of experimentation with drugs. Like at the age of 17, I just made a conscious decision. Like I'm going to go and I'm going to be a drug addict um, because wow. I just didn't believe in God. Like he hadn't given me much of a reason to believe um, personally, you know, and that's just my experience. And I hate to say it now because he's so loving and kind and I know him today. But at that time in my life, I was so empty and void and it was just... It, you're, you're filling it with, you know, whatever, what, marijuana yeah. or, or even harder stuff, right? Yeah, I, I started to smoke weed, quickly uh, quickly led me down a path of um, experimenting with pills, Xanax and um, opiates and then cocaine, you know, and just really rapidly at the age of 17 was, was a full-blown drug addict, um, was kicked out of my parents' house, you know. And got ended up, you know, dating this girl. I ended up getting her pregnant, you know, and um, she had a miscarriage. She dumped me. 
And while, while she was pregnant, though, in order to provide for her, because I couldn't provide as a drug addict, I, I signed the papers to join the United States Army. Wow. Um, so between the time I signed the papers and between the time I shipped out, she dumped me and had the miscarriage. So I entered the Army in this broken state, um, just heartbroken, you know, having just lost a child, um, having just been uh, broken up with. And, and, you know, the Army was kind of... Um, I spent two years in the army and just felt utterly isolated, you know, kind of left alone with my idols and started to notice, um, started to have really spiritual, real, these real spiritual encounters with, um, the demonic, you know, mm. with, with, uh, forces of darkness that up to this point I had not come in contact with. And I just realized there was something after my life and I started to, and I wouldn't call it the demonic at that time. I just knew something was after me. Something wanted me dead. And a week before I was saved, a week before I came to know Jesus, I had this experience where I saw um, just, yeah, the, rea- the spiritual realities that there was a war over my life, you know, that God had plans for me and, and that what my mom had told me all those years about Jesus and the Bible suddenly became, um, it suddenly, I suddenly became desperate for that um, when I realized that this, this thing that was way stronger than I was wanted me dead and wanted to stuff, my, stuff out my life. Um, I just, I just cried out to Jesus. You know, I started to get hungry for Jesus. And when I started to get hungry and I started to desire him more than the drugs and more than this thing that was haunting my life, um, he broke through, you know, and, and I had a powerful encounter with, with the Lord Jesus. It, it felt as if he was touching me, you know, it felt like a literal hand was on my head Wow! and I felt the Holy Spirit just fill me. And, it felt um, just like I just had this revelation. All, all I could see was the cross. All I could see was was Jesus. And suddenly the Bible stories made sense, you know, that this this was all about a man, a God who became man, who loved me so much that even if I was the only person on this earth, he would have left heaven and still lived a human life for 30 years hidden uh, and, and, and then come out and do ministry for three years, revealing himself to be the son of God, you know, all of it. He, he lived a human life and, and it suddenly became really personal for me. And in that moment, I just, as like, I realized what I was made for that meaninglessness that I felt suddenly it was filled with Jesus, you know, and that's the only way I can describe it. So how old were you and where were you when, when this uh, breakthrough, this, this pivotal moment happened? Yeah, I was, um, 30, well, I'm 32 now. No, I was, (laughs) I was like 22 years old, um, had just been kicked out of the army, and I actually was, yeah, so I was 22. I saw my twin brother. I have an identical twin brother. Wow. He had went through the program called Teen Challenge, which is a faith-based ministry uh, for people struggling with addiction. And um, I knew he was in this program. But up to this point, I, I just saw people go through programs and not really change. You know, they would go through programs. They'd still, you know, smoke cigarettes. And they'd still be in bondage, you know, if we're just being honest. And I was really skeptical. But on Christmas Day, I think it was 2010, I saw my brother and it was like he was really changed. I mean, he mm. he didn't smoke. He didn't cuss. Like, he couldn't stop talking about Jesus. And it wasn't like a religious thing. It was like he met a person and he just was obsessed, you know. And um, it bothered me for like the full 24 <laughs> hours. I was like... Still skeptical, yeah. Still skeptical. I wanted to get away. Um, like this crazy person. Exactly. You know? Is he my brother? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. But he he put on a sermon, a DVD sermon by a pastor named Louis Giglio. Um, And I just heard this man talk about Jesus and um, was saved that day. Wow. My life was changed forever. Wow. So, you know, um, and and now, you know, fast forward now, now, this is 10 years later. 
Um, so, no, well, I, I will go a little shorter than that. Um, you went into Team Challenge yourself, right? Yes. Um, it, it has a pretty, I mean, in terms of programs, it has a very high success rate um, because it deals with the, the spiritual and, and the rehabilitation that way. Um, so t- tell me about that program. Did it did it work for you? Because a lot of people say they go into program after program, and you even alluded to that as yeah. well, that like, hey, is this really going to work? Yeah. You know, it did, it, it, but it, it wasn't the program. It was um, the Jesus factor in the program. And so the, the, the men of God that were over my life at that time, just um, I really looked up to them. And, and luckily I had some men of God that had integrity and character and they really walked with the Lord. Um, but not only that, just being surrounded by people who were also um, not everybody in the program, I have to be honest, not everybody in the program was, was there for the right reasons. And sure. so you kind of get a good mix of being surrounded by people. Some people are not in it for the right reasons. So you have temptations like in the program, you know, people sure. smoking and stuff. And so you're put kind of in a bubble. That's a simulation of <laughs> reality. Yeah. Like how bad do you want change? You know, how bad do you want, um, sobriety? How bad do you want Jesus? Yeah. And so you're sort of put in this place where, um, you either, hang out with the right people or you hang out with the wrong people, you know, you seek out the right voices in your life or the wrong voices. Um, you're either reading the Bible and seeking Jesus or, or you're not, you know, and I've found that even outside of Teen Challenge, when you're dealing with addiction, it really is, it's that black and white, you know, it's, you're either, you're either following him or you're not. And so, um, so that, that's kind of my reality. That's been my reality is this, um, coming from some, this really extreme darkness into light now, um, I try to just stay uh, just burning for the Lord, you know, staying passionate for Jesus. And so, but Teen Challenge was absolutely like, I can't say it enough. Teen Challenge is, is such a great program. Yeah. And then you uh, ended up serving in that program because you, I, I know you told me that you uh, felt called to a recovery ministry. Yeah. You and I think you and your wife, I think. Um, so uh, serving in that. So what was that like being on the other side of things? And it's still to today, you go out on the streets and you, you minister with folks, um, you know, friends of yours and, and reach out to folks. So what's it like when you come across somebody that, you know, maybe, you know, whether they're a teenager or in their thirties or whatever, and they're, you know, hooked on cocaine yes. or whatever else else, you know, uh, does that, do you have a perspective that maybe helps you in, in that ministry uh, moment? Yeah. You know, it's good for me. <laughs> it, it's so good for me, like to go out and tell people that are in that same place that I was at. Just, I found that like, even, I mean, I've seen people get healed. I've seen the Lord really save people. I've seen people give their lives to the Lord and years down the road, they're changed. Um, but more than anything else, and this is why I appreciate Take the City where I work so much, is um, evangelism is good for me. You know, as as a believer who's been changed, who who has a testimony, I never want to forget that. And so one of the things early on that I just felt like the Lord was telling me is to stay close to the battlefield and to, to smell the smoke coming off the field. And I just love being around people who are fresh, out of addiction, and like they've just found Jesus and like... I love it. I don't know. It just does something for me. And that's that's why I kind of was um, working in the recovery field. I was really passionate for it just to see these guys and girls come out of addiction. They had nothing but questions and I was there to help them and just disciple them. And, you know, it's just it, even to this day, even though I'm not in recovery ministry anymore, I mean, just today I'd, I went on a prayer walk. You know, I was, I was like felt the Lord telling me to, to just go go around the building to take the city building and, and just start to pray and um, so I just kind of put it like following the leader with the Holy spirit, you know, it's, 
and just kind of stepping out in faith and felt like he was leading me to somebody. And it was these two guys, you know, out in their front yard. Clearly, I think they were waiting on drugs, you know, in the neighborhood where we where we work. It's pretty rough. And um, these guys were obviously, to me, I could see that they were waiting on drugs. And the Lord just, I just stepped out in faith. And I just told him, man, God changed my life. I used to be exactly where you're at years ago. And God touched my life. And he, he's been, he loves you. And he's chased you your whole life, you know. And he knows your name. And these guys were like visibly like wowed, you know. I love seeing that look on people's faces. Yeah. Like, yeah, what kind of reaction do you usually get from folks yeah. when you kind of this is yeah. a stranger coming up to them and telling them like, <laughs> "Hey, listen, God told me to tell you this." And do people like what kind of reception do you normally yeah. get? Yeah, yeah. And you know, I, I try to stay away from that kind of language. Like, yeah. God, God told me to, you know, I, I try to make myself as as normal as possible sure. so I don't scare them. But at the same time. I don't, I don't like hold him back. Like, I don't know how other way to put it is God changed my life. And, um, but the reaction that I get is surprisingly most of the time, it's that look of amazement. Like Mm -hmm. they, at least not all of them will say it out loud, but I think all of them, if they're being honest, they can't lie with a changed life. And I think I see something in most of those people's faces. Like I want what that guy has, you know, um, but, you know, seeing just people realize that, hey, this is possible, you know, that people do get sober and people not only get sober, this, you know, they get the joy of the Lord. They can they can walk with Jesus and find meaning in their life. And most people are just looking for somebody to, to care and listen, right? I mean, yeah. like that, like to pay attention because, you know, with someone that's, you know, a drug addict or homeless or maybe yes. an outcast – and they, you know, they just want somebody to like, hey, listen, to pass yeah. by and wave or smile or stop and talk to them. Because a lot of times we're so busy in life, yes. we just ignore the people that are maybe not in our circle, right? That's so true. Yeah. And, you know, since being at Take the City, I live in one of the life houses in the surrounding neighborhoods. So um, living just, it's way different than if you go on an outreach, right? You go on an outreach, you tell somebody about Jesus, you never see him again. But living kind of as a missionary, uh, what I've learned the most is people just want you to slow down long enough to know that you care. And once they can see that you care enough to listen to their story and to not have an agenda, but just to love well and like just to be kind of a kind person, um, you know, like you just said, just waving at people, like slowing down long enough to say hi or like, how was your day? And I've seen that like over this past year being at Take the City, that's opened more doors um, effective doors, like with lasting change than, than anything else. Yeah. And being in ministry is really a, a family affair. Yeah. So now you guys have kids, right? Yep. Two okay. kids. Two kids, uh, son and daughter. Yes, or, sir. Okay. And, uh, so, you know, with your wife and kids, I mean, it's, it's a family affair. And w- I mean, what is your, I mean, is your wife, you know, uh, very heavily involved. I know she works, you know, uh, you know, kind of leads the, the coffee shop, but in your kids, I mean, is it kind of like a thing that you, your family does it together? Yeah. Yeah. We, I try to bring my kids with me, you know, every, every so often get them out there with us and, and hand out food, you know, what, whatever we're doing. I do like to, my kids to see, uh, the kingdom of God at work. I, I like them to see it. And, um, you know, it's been one of, it's been a, a learning curve for sure, because, um, for so long I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't showing my kids that kind of world, like before coming here to take the city. Um, but, but since being at Take the City, Andrew is, is really, uh, the, the founder of Take the City. Andrew Chalmers, who Andrew we had Chalmers, on about yeah. a year or two ago. So. Yeah. Just kind of really shifted my, my view on things as, um, family on mission, you know, like getting our, our, 
our spouses and our kids doing the same thing that, that the men of God in the house are doing. Like it's, it's available to everybody. And so, um, my, my son just prayed for my dad's knee. My dad had a torn ligament, you know, and my son watching us lay hands on people and, and believing God for healing. He, he prayed for my dad. Like he laid hands on his knee. My dad did not ask him to pray, you know, and, uh, he prayed for his knee for like, I think it was like a five second prayer. Like Lord Jesus, heal his knee, you know, and <laughs> amen. And, and my, how, how old is your son? He's six years old. Okay. Gotcha. And my dad, my dad was like, well, you need to pray for it a little more. He's like, nope, it's done. And <laughs> it's crazy. And sure enough, like two days later, he went to the doctor and it's healed. Like his knee was healed. And so. Well, and f- what, what, a, what a full, full circle for you, yeah. uh, because like, you know, your parents, Growing up in Christian household, they see their son, 17, 18, going off, drugs, just, you know, who knows, might end up dead. And then now full circle, his grandson, your son, comes and prays for him. Wow, what a a (laughs) moment, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, nothing makes me more proud than that. Yeah. And uh, you were telling me as well that, um, you know, you were, you guys had your job with Teen Challenge, helping people recovering from drug addictions and, and other, you know, uh, things that had strangleholds on people's life down in, um, I think you were in uh, Sanford, Florida. That's right. right. And then COVID happens yeah. about, uh, you know, I guess close to two years ago. And um, so did the the pandemic or something maybe before that did it maybe get you to move up here to Columbus Georgia I mean was that is there kind of a God like arranged it I imagine <laughs> yes God absolutely arranged it it was not on our radar at all we <laughs> we were going to be in Sanford forever like we um, at least Teen Challenge forever we we were completely given um, to the recovery ministry and and specifically Sanford Teen Challenge we felt like it was it you know and. Um, but yeah, like really quickly, there was a hiring freeze at Sanford. And so all the doors just kind of shut. People were losing their jobs, stuff like that. And Christina and I, my wife and I, we really just didn't really have any idea what was next. And, you know, you talk about prayer, uh, and you know, it's, you really start praying when you're in situations like that. And so we, we started to pray. We, we asked, invited our counselors into the situation and they just said, it's okay to knock on doors. You know, you don't have to just pray and wait. Like you can actually, you know, knock on doors and see what's available. So we started reaching out to ministries and found three ministries. Um, two of them were teen challenges. Uh, one was in, in Georgia over in Dublin and then one was Bonifay, Florida, uh, Teen Challenge. Both of them were juvenile boys. Um, we visited both of those. And then the last, the third ministry on the, the docket was this this black sheep over here called Take the City. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I made it clear to the Lord because I knew there was something in me that loved, like, Andrew's heart for the way he talked about Jesus and the way he kind of views the kingdom. I always aligned with it, you know, and, and he was the, he was the guy who stepped out and opened take the city. And I always felt like, man, there was something in the back of my mind. Like I would love to go work with Andrew. You know, I would love to go see revival, um, and just, uh, give my life to this thing. But at the same time, it was this tension because I just wanted to remain faithful to God. Like I just, I wasn't going to do it unless God spoke clearly. And so we visited take the city and pretty, pretty quickly I was like I know what I want and I believe the Lord is telling me to to come here but I, I told the Lord like you're gonna have to speak through my wife oh okay so I, I kept it to myself she, she, she's got to be on board that's right so I didn't say anything <laughs> and on the way back to uh Sanford she she's the one who voiced it she felt it was time it was you know take the city and so 
I was excited. Yeah. And so how long have you guys been part of Is it been a year, year and a half or? Yeah, it's been, uh, I think a year and two months. Okay. Gotcha. And so, uh, you know, the, the house of prayer, um, I, I don't know if it was a thing then, or it was being launched or talked about. So, um, that's cause you talked about it earlier about how, you know, morning, noon and night, uh, open for prayer and praise mm-hmm. and worship. And you've got the harvest coffee shop next, next door. Cause people always, you want to draw like coffee yeah. and ice cream, right. And now sandwiches. So, um, it was, what was that like? I mean, kind of starting something new kind of from the ground up. I'm, I'm, I'm scary, but I mean like, well, you can just pray about it, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was, um, well, when I came here, he did not tell me that I was going to be running the prayer ah. room, basically. <laughs> You're just going to come live in a life house. We'll, we'll take care of you. you know? <laughs> it was, he just said, we're, you're going to serve in the prayer room. So when I, he, he knew that I had just learned guitar. He knew that I could sing because I led worship when we were both in Bible college out of Teen Challenge. That's where you guys met. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He was working there. I was a student there, but he knew that I had a heart for worship and just, um, I could sing and lead worship, but he, I just learned guitar like a year before. It was crazy. It was like the Lord just told me to learn guitar. I mean, I had a random desire and I learned it really quickly. And, um, so he knew that though. And, and he, it turns out he had been praying for me to come like the whole year before that and him and his team. So, but when I got here and found out I'd be running it, man, I, you know, it was pretty intimidating, pretty intimidating. I'm an introvert. Um, I So like reaching out to all these people and like so many different people. And I mean, but it's been really amazing. I've learned a lot about myself, to yeah. be honest. Yeah. And being an introvert, I mean, talk to that a little bit because people may, that are listening, <laughs> maybe some people love social situations, love being around people, but maybe, you know, someone like yourself that might be listening saying, you yeah, listen, this uh, evangelism thing sounds all well and good. Yeah. This uh, kind of going, you know, and praying with folks sounds, sounds great, but listen, mm. that's just not my jam. I am not comfortable with that. It's awkward for me. What would you say to them? Cause I mean, that's, yeah. I guess maybe used to be out of your comfort zone. Yeah. Yeah. I would say I get it. You know, I would tell them, <laughs> first of all, I understand your pain. <laughs> uh, but secondly, I would say is, you know, we want to obey the Lord. And, um, one thing that he says at the end of his ministry, we see Jesus living, uh, for 33 years. He he's, he's doing his ministry. His disciples are watching him. And the very last thing that he says before going to the father is the great commission, right? He says, go and make disciples of all nations. You're going to lay hands on the sick. You know, you're going to cast out devils. You're going to basically, you're going to witness, you're going to be my witnesses. And I would say no one is exempt. And so I think it has to start with a personal conviction that it's not about my gifting. It's not about what I'm good at so much. It's about, you know, obeying, obeying Jesus, like, and obeying his greatest commission. Like it's at the great commission. It's the one thing he told everybody, um, you know? And so for me, it was conviction. It was like, man, I just feel like there's something missing in my life. There's a, there's something that I'm not seeing. And, and I was willing to kind of step out and begin to do it. And, you know, it's still me stepping out. I, I do it regularly. I It's Andrew, you know, and, and Jonathan Cronin, you know, they're, these are both guys that are amazing. I look up to these uh, these guys. They're men of God, but they seem, they're pretty social people, you know, and, and I'm surrounded by these people that are like social and I'm just this quiet introvert, you know, who, who'd rather spend his day in the prayer room. But you just, can sing better than them. I see? can sing better than them, right? So <laughs> I hope guitar. they're listening to this. <laughs> exactly. You can beat them at that at least. And, you know, and we talk on this podcast as well about fitness and you were talking about you were in the army for two years. Might yeah. not have been your, your greatest moments and, yeah. and being kicked out, but, um, 
for you, I mean, you know, you always talk about, you know, the body's a temple, mind, body, and soul. So, I mean, do you do anything like in terms of, you, you mentioned running earlier, um, anything you do? Because, you, I mean, you look like you're an in shape dude for, for yeah. being in your 30s. Um, so, uh, uh, you don't have the dad bod yet. Uh, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, what do you do, you do anything? Because, I mean, outreach is your, I mean, if you're walking, like, you know, I mean, because Jesus walked, I think, 20 miles a day is what the, the Bible talks about during his ministry. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I do a lot of prayer walks. <laughs> so I need to be better about uh, exercising, honestly. Um, but I try to run um, every once in a while. I, I recently bought some running shoes to kind of hold me there accountable. You, go, see? you know, so even seeing your post, man, I'm like convicted. <laughs> I'm like, dang, this guy's running like 20 miles. I got to, you know. You can't run in your sandals that you're in right now, right? <laughs> right. That's right. I don't, yeah, Jesus, I don't That's know right. if he walked in. I guess there weren't, uh, there weren't Nikes around when, when, when yeah. he, he he had his family. He just, he, I mean, he, he had good feet, I'm sure, you know. It was Jesus. You know? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, and uh, we were talking earlier about how, um, you know, you've got this big event that's coming up that, that you're helping to lead. Speaking of, you know, kind of uh, not, not necessarily scary, but like, you know, it's it's a big deal when you have a trying to get volunteers and get people to come and lead worship and, and getting people to show up and that kind of thing. You've got this thing called 10 America. It's a grassroots movement. Um, so it's this is day and night worship. It's, it's going to be, I guess, is it going to be like a 10? day thing is that is across the nation and here in columbus georgia yeah so this year we're actually combining two events Um, one of them 10 days is a global prayer initiative so there's actually nations around the world that are doing this and this is more of a fast so the 10 days is is between uh the jewish holiday of rosh hashanah and yom kippur which don't be intimidated you know if you don't know what that is i didn't know what it was at first But it's on the Jewish calendar. It's a special season where God calls his people to kind of slow down. And and in in the Jewish calendar, it's the new year. So you're taking the 10 days before the new year, basically, and sort of uh, repenting, like laying down lesser things. Like I know I'm distracted by my cell phone a lot. Um, So during those 10 days, I'm not looking at social media. Like I'm going to get off Instagram, Facebook, all that. Um, I'm going to fast food on some level. And I'm going to take time, uh, a little more time off of work, you know, and, and the things that kind of steal away my attention. And I'm just going to take those 10 days and, and really slow down and be with the Lord more. And um, so that's kind of the call is for, for those 10 days. Join us. Uh, take the challenge by fasting food, uh, fasting social media, and taking some time off of work if you can. Um, and pray for our city. You know, not only repent um, on in our own lives, but pray for repentance in the city. Like, pray for... Uh, pray for us to see breakthrough. Like we want to see gang members uh, come to the Lord in droves, you know, with all these shootings, all these things that are happening, COVID-19. There, there's never been a greater time, I don't think, where we've needed prayer more. And so this is us just saying, hey, you know, like, let's lock arms. Let's take these 10 days and let's really seek uh, Jesus. But right in the middle of those 10 days, we're moving the tent. We're, we're moving the prayer room outdoors under a tent. And, and this is, by the way, September 6th through the 16th, because this right. podcast will come out, I think, after it's already started. But yeah. so right in the middle of the of this, these 10 days of prayer, fasting, whatever you choose to do, whatever you feel called to do, there'll be this tent event. That's right. That's right. And that's sort of the pinnacle we want to see. Um, we want to see the Lord move because during those, during the 50 hours, which is when we're under the tent, we're going to be doing 50 hours of worship and prayer consecutive. So through the night, um, and then into the day, it's going to be like two days of, 
uh, different worship bands coming through and leading worship. But not only that, there was going to be um, gospel proclamation. So we have a lot of people that walk by, you know, right down the sidewalk right there that need Jesus. We're hoping to see people um, really come to the Lord and get to know Jesus and, and come into the body of Christ, you know, and be changed. So that's really our heart is to see believers show up at the tent. We would love to see that. But not only that, but during the 10 days, the prayer room will be um, open. Um, and we're trying to get as many people in the prayer room as possible. So um, that's, this is off of Second Avenue in Columbus, kind of like near downtown. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yep. It's Second Avenue and we are open 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. So. Yep, and then so 4 p.m. September 10th, we move the prayer room outdoors, and mm. it kicks off, and it goes all the way to September 12th, uh, 6 p.m. Wow, wow! So that'll be—I think that's Friday through Sunday. That's right, uh, something like that. So, um, and you know, I think there's you know there's cities all over the nation doing this. It's not just yeah. Columbus, Georgia. This is kind of you know uh, around the same time. It's it's tents going up in lots of cities, right? That's right. Yep. Yep, they just did one in Greenville, North Carolina, and I'm kind of following it and tracking it. You know, they did one in Minnesota. Um, and so all over the nation, we're seeing uh, people just host these 24 hours, 50 hours of worship and prayer. Um, and the reason for that is because it just does something. Um, you know, if you read revival history and church history, major moves of God, uh, awakenings, revivals, these things don't just drop out of the sky. These things happen when believers uh, intentionally pursue him together, you know, not just in private, but some of the greatest times that the Lord has moved and we've seen like citywide transformation was because uh, believers from that city would, would get together, consecrate themselves and pursue Jesus like above all else and just pursue them. And so that is really our heart. Like we're really looking forward to seeing the results of the prayer afterwards. So that's always really exciting uh, just to see like specific prayers that were lifted up to him and then see him answer it like months down the road. Um, So we're hoping to kind of create a follow-up system as well of people that are there to um, keep track of like him answering prayer. Yeah. Well, you know, what would be great to see is to see, you know, the Taliban and ISIS love Jesus. Yes. I mean, wow, what, what, uh, yes. I mean, that would have a powerful, that'd be headlines on the news, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's exactly it right. It would be amazing. And, uh, I know I read somewhere for 10 America, the goal is to make the worth of Jesus go viral across yeah. America. What, what does that mean? Because I'm obviously, you know, in today's world, we all want people want to go viral on Instagram or TikTok or yeah. YouTube or whatever else. So what does it, what does it mean to make the worth worth of Jesus go viral. Yeah, the worth of Jesus. So the way it is in heaven, um, it's all centered around just how great he is. Like the angels, like I said in the beginning, they can't get over it. Like they're stuck on that one word, holy. It says present tense. They never stop saying. So even right now, it's like they just can't get past how amazing he is. And, you know, that kind of worth, uh, we want it to go viral. We want people to see that, hey, you know, this Jesus is a person and he's worthy of uh, unending praise and adoration. You know, that's the whole reason we have the prayer room, more than just having believers pray. And we love that. We love mobilizing believers in prayer. Um, We love seeing prayers answered and lifting our petitions to the Lord. But more than anything else, I'm compelled to give him what he's worthy of. Um, and I just believe 24 seven worship. There's something about that. It just, um, that, that it displays it like no other, like we see it all the time. People in the coffee shop kind of peer in, you know, there, it's like, there's two or three people in the prayer room, you know, there's one musician on the stage and they're just pouring their heart out to Jesus. And you always see like this one person looking like what in the world is going on? And it's, it's, <laughs> we have live music here at the coffee shop. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it, and, but it's something deeper though, I believe. Yeah. It's like, 
a public spectacle that testifies to the worth of Jesus in the middle of like the darkness, in the middle of where, you know, the enemy just gets so much credit and so much, you know, bars are open 24-7. You know, why not have 50 hours through the night, you know, the least we could do. And to be honest with you, 24-7 is a constraint. I think if we could do 24-8, you know, that would be great. If we could do 25-50. Yeah, um, exactly. So I don't know. Yeah, and, and as this, this podcast episode will come out uh, 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 several days before uh, that, uh, that event, that's uh, two or three days. So what can, I mean, if people want to get involved, what do they do? I mean, do people just, yeah. just show up? I mean, I know this is at 2910 2nd Avenue in Columbus, Georgia, but maybe people are listening from a different city, different state, yeah. and they can, there's a 10 America event. So what can folks do? I mean, if they, they, I guess some, if they sign up to lead worship or they can just show up and, and what will they, could they, they expect? I yeah. guess. Yeah. It'll be really friendly. There's going to be uh, people there to greet you. Um, but mainly we would love for you to just attend and worship with us and pray. Um, there's going to be a map of our city and we're going to put uh, promises from the Lord, sticky notes and just wow. cover it with like scriptures and uh, you know, words from the Lord. And, and at the end, we're going to lift up a shout of praise. So I think the more people that can, even if you just come and stick a sticky note on that map, you know, and um, I don't know, just come and participate, you know, see what's going on. If, you know, I would even say if there's someone listening on this podcast that lives in another city, you know, why not pray about jumping in next year and hosting your own tent? Why not do it where you are? Because there's probably not a tent. Um, there, I think there's only like two tents being hosted this year in Georgia. So I would love for other believers to catch this vision. And, um, you know, I think the more the more this goes on year after year, because it's an annual event, we're going to just, it's going to explode. We're going to see uh, truly the worth of Jesus go viral. And so that's the goal. I would just say, come on. Yeah. Come on out. Now you'll be, I guess you'll be one of the people leading worship with your yes, guitar. Okay. So, I mean, what is that, you know, I know that you, like you say, you just kind of learned it on your own and that kind of thing. And, and you were talking, you alluded to earlier about praise and worship and just how, what that does yeah. for folks. Cause it's kind of like a, um, it's like a, a you know, a, a language, a, yeah. an even playing field. Like even if you maybe disagree on some of the yeah. uh, tongues or, yes. you know, healings or whatever else, you know, whether you're Baptist or, uh, you know, uh, Pentecostal or whatever else, what is, what is music, you know, because that's obviously a big part of the house of prayer. Yeah. can be a big part of 10 America. Um, does that just change things, the atmosphere? It does. You know, if, if you read about the life of David, right, David is one of the greatest, uh, characters in the Bible. I mean, it's, it's undeniable. He's one of the greatest leaders in the Bible. And one of the thing, the first things it mentions about David is that he played the harp to the Lord. Hmm. So he ministered to the Lord musically. How, like, why did he do that? I'm provoked to know why, what is it about music? And I still don't know all the answers, but I do know it says when Saul, when he was serving King Saul, the main way Saul wanted him to serve him was to minister to the Lord, like in his presence, because Saul was oppressed um, by demons. It says an evil spirit was tormenting Saul. And when David would play the harp, right? It said that spirit would lift up off of Saul. And so I believe it does something from the heart that is devoted to Jesus, that's in love and captured by the Lord. When we express that through music, it creates something where people can kind of latch onto it. And, and maybe we can call people up higher, you know, to where, where we are. So if I know something about Jesus that maybe the person in the crowd doesn't, and I express that musically, I think it does something in, in our hearts. Music is so powerful. 
um, it can move us in ways that that other things can't. Like I can try to memorize scripture, but I can remember it way faster if it's in a catchy song lyric, right? Yeah. I can remember lyrics to a song way easier than I can other things. It kind of bypasses our intellect and enters right into that that emotional place in us. Yeah. And everybody loves music. Like I'm convinced if I were to sit down and talk to a Taliban member, they probably love music. You know, yeah. it's something in the human experience. And when we give that greatest gift to the Lord and express it creatively to him, I don't know. And, and like, I, I keep going back to this, but in the throne room, I mean, it's, it's anytime we get a glimpse in the throne room, it's chants, it's music, it's melodies where there's love. There's, there's love songs. Yeah. And any favorite, uh, praise and worship song or something that yeah. for you that like is like, okay, yeah. it, my, your go-to, I guess. Yeah. yeah. My favorite worship song of all time is mighty to save by Hillsong. Wow. Um, because that was part of the sermon that, that I was saved to. So when I came to know Jesus, that song was playing. Um, so I did just does something to me every time I hear it. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, Brandon, for, uh, for, uh, joining us here at WTVM and, uh, and we're looking forward to Tent America and, and the 10 days of, of fasting and prayer and just so important. Just thank you for your service to the kingdom and, and all that you're doing and, and, uh, wish you and your wife and your kids all the best. Thank you so much, Jason. All right. And once again, if you want to be a part of Tent America, maybe you know in the Columbus, Georgia, East Alabama area, you can go to Take the City. That'll uh, be starting officially after prayer happening, worship happening all throughout this week. It's going to be happening outside under a tent from Friday, September 10th at 4 p.m. all the way until Sunday, September 12th at 6 p.m. And you know there's several of these happening in Georgia, and there's dozens of these happening all around the nation. So just kind of look out for that Tent America. Uh, that season of prayer and worship that we all uh, we all could use that right now in our world today. And now in our uh, final segments of the podcast, uh, we have some uh, inspiration, parting gifts uh, from some folks that you know talking about prayer and what it means and the importance of it. Uh, but also uh, that that song that you got a little taste of before uh, by our guest for this pod, Brandon McKenzie, accompanied by Sam Cresswell on piano. It's an original song that Brandon wrote called Alabaster Jar. So I want to give you a little bit of that. He sings a lot better than I do and plays the guitar a lot better uh, since I don't play at all. And so this is uh, Stuck in My Head, and uh, maybe it will be for you. Now I just want to give you something, something costly in return. Let it cost me more than just religious deeds and words, and here's my Alabaster jar I break it open And pour it all Over you For where my Treasure is My heart Will be So let me spend My life on you Oh And here's my Alabaster jar I break it open And pour it all Over you Oh For where my Treasure is My heart Will be So let 
let me spend my life on you You're a lover Cause you're a lover I'm your beloved Come and tell me what you think of me Cause I'm broken and I'm desperate But you have a way of bringing clarity I'm your beloved I'm your beloved I'm your beloved I'm your beloved, 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 I'm your Master jar, I break it open and pour it out over you. Where my treasure, for where my treasure is, my heart will be. So let me spend my life on you. And again, you just heard a little bit of Alabaster Jar written and performed by Brandon McKenzie. And, uh, and and speaking of prayer, which he talks a lot about, and it's really instrumental in his job and his life, and hopefully the same for you, um, we have uh, uh, parting gifts about prayer. Uh, one from uh, Billy Graham, probably maybe the most famous evangelist of all time. He said, to get nations back on their feet, we must first get down on our knees. What uh, so poignant for today in our world with everything going on uh, in America, in Afghanistan, uh, really all over the world, uh, getting back on our knees to get the nations back on their feet again. Because uh, sometimes, you know, you know, as a superpower, we were down on our knees after 9-11. And you know, it's all about getting back up again. Also, our uh, second parting gift, our inspiring quote, comes from Rosa Parks, of course, an activist in the civil rights movement, best known for her role of, uh, of you know, refusing to get in the back of the bus for the Montgomery bus boycott. Rosa Parks says, Prayer in the Bible became a part of my everyday thoughts and beliefs. I learned to put my trust in God and to seek Him as my strength. So uh, what, what, what a great example. I mean, making prayer in the Bible part of your everyday thoughts and beliefs and uh, trusting in Him uh, that uh, He has you in His hands and He will not lead you astray. So uh, what, a, what, a, what a great way uh, to, uh, to live your life. And uh, we're going to close, speaking of prayer, uh, with this quick prayer. Dear God, I just thank you for uh, for everything that you do for us. Let us not uh, take for granted the blessings you pour upon us every day, even amidst uh, things happening chaotically in the world or maybe in our personal lives or at our job or with our family. Um, Lord God, that uh, we know that you are in control uh, that you bring peace to the chaos. And Lord God, that we can uh, be disciplined uh, in our prayer life, 
in uh, digging into your word and doing that on a daily basis, finding ways to do that, putting that on uh, as part of our schedule, making a priority out of that. Lord God, we just pray to you right now that just help us to to make that a priority in our lives over the things that maybe we feel like are maybe more important or we our actions speak louder than our words. And we, Lord Jesus, we just uh, thank you for the opportunity to have a relationship with you and uh, that, that, God, that we can make that strong and stronger every single day. In your mighty name we pray, amen. And thank you so much again for joining us for Run the Race. 80 episodes down, many more to go, talking about fitness and faith on a weekly basis. You can go to WTVM.com slash podcast to listen to any of the previous episodes. Uh, we talked to some some amazing guests and got some more coming up. In fact, our next guest hopefully will be a, uh, a firefighter who's going to talk about September 11th, 9-11. And he's also, uh, you know, has been a pastor in the past and, and uh, has done Iron Man. So, you know, a lot of fitness and faith there that he's going to be talking about uh, really one of the inspiring figures in my life who is still a firefighter here in uh, Georgia. So look forward to uh, talking to him for the next episode of the Run the Race podcast and hope you guys have a wonderful uh, rest of this week and uh, God bless.